the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Grace to you. Grace abounds. I'm empowered for life and godliness. God richly bless you. For those of you who are joining us online, you are ambassadors at last. And we trust that you stay tuned and through and your life will certainly not be the same. Amen. Okay, come with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 28 verse 20. Proverbs 28 verse 20. A faithful man shall abound with blessings. Let's read it together one go. A faithful man shall abound with shall not be innocent. Let's take it again. A faithful man but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. Amen. Ask your neighbor, are you faithful? Okay, the Bible says a faithful man shall abound with blessings and he that maketh his to be rich shall not be innocent. Matthew 25 verse 21. He says, his Lord said to him, well done. Good and what? Faithful. Well done, good and what? Faithful. You were faithful over. I will make you a ruler over. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Now you see that there is practically uh, clear here. It says, A faithful man shall abound with blessing, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. And we saw it. When they were faithful, he says, I will make you a ruler over many. They abounded with blessing of rulership. As he will abounding with blessings. Amen. Okay, so our series broadly is abounding with blessings. But for the past three weeks, I've been teaching on pass the test. Somebody say pass the test. And that is coming from Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 17. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 17. The Bible said by faith, where Abraham, when he was tested. Somebody say by faith. By faith. Abraham, Abraham, when he was tested. Okay, when he was tested. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a when. It's not an if. You will be tested. Sooner or later. I want you to tell to turn to your neighbor and tell him. Say it's a when, it's a when. and not an if. You will, will be tested sooner or later. Okay, so you have to get yourself ready for the test. You can't go to school and not expect that a day of examination, a day of testing will come up. You will be tested sooner or later. And I pray that you will pass the test when the time comes. Amen. Receive grace to pass your test when the time comes. And we said that the test is not just any test, but it's basically a test of faithfulness. Somebody say a test of faithfulness. A test of faithfulness. 
case, so if you are going to abound with blessing, one of the important tests we need to pass is the test of faithfulness. And Jesus gave us those three levels of tests in Luke chapter 16, verse 10 to 12. Let's look at that quickly. He who is faithful in what is least is also faithful. Is faithful also in what? And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in verse 11 the second test therefore if you have not been faithful in the in the who commit to you your trust true 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 okay so there is unrighteous mammon and there's true riches okay now let's look at the third one if you have not been faithful in what is another man's who will give who will give you what is who will give you what is how many of us want to have something of our own how many of us want to have true riches you want to have true riches lift up your hands okay and how many of us want to have much now you see there are three levels there each of them has its own unique reward when you are faithful in little things the reward is that you have much did you see that when you are faithful in money matters you'll be committed or you'll be entrusted with true riches. Somebody say true riches. True. Yeah, many years ago, I taught on true riches, what true riches meant. And sometime to come, I will do a teaching again on that. True riches, what means. And then, number three, if you are faithful with other people's things, God will give you your own things. Amen. So each of them has its unique reward that it brings. We talked about how to pass the test of faithfulness with other people's things. How to pass the test of faithfulness with other people's things. If we all learn to be faithful with other people's things, we'll have a lot of things going on. A lot of businesses will do well. We'll have a lot of businesses, great businesses for that matter. But we live in a generation when people are running other people's things. They run it down. They run it down. They would rather run the business down than run the business up. And if you run someone's businesses down, you cannot have one of your own. So we can produce many bigger companies. When we are running small, small businesses, we have opportunity to run down. So how do we pass the test? Number one, we said we must learn to treat and handle other people's things like you would your own things. How many of you remember that? How do you handle other people's things? Handle it like it is your own. Take the business. I know you are working for him. I know the money he's giving you is not even enough to meet your needs. But handle it as if it was your own. Take it very seriously. Report to work on time and stay on until there's closure time. Not that when your boss leaves, you look at the time and your boss has left. And you don't know that your boss was up all through the night before he came. So as he's leaving, you are also leaving. You are unfaithful. Are you here with me? Number two, be guided by the principle of seed time and harvest in your handling of other people's. Talk to me. In the handling of other people's. Be guided by the principle of what? Seed time and harvest. Life is a seed. Whatever you sow, you reap. If you sow laziness on another person's job, you reap multiplied fold of laziness when your own turn comes. Be guided by the principle of seed time and be a trusted burden bearer for those who depend on you for assistance. If somebody has hired you to take care of his funds, 
take care of it very well and then number four he said you must know your limit and never abuse opportunities given you turn to your neighbor and say know your limit yeah know your limits don't abuse opportunities given you when your boss trusts you with a certain uh, income know what is giving you what is not giving you and then most importantly and this is where promotion really comes from never lose consciousness of god as your ultimate boss and rewarder regardless of whoever you are working for the reason why a lot of people never have things of their own is because god does not see them faithful Turn to your enemy and say, God has not seen them faithful. Yeah, because, because, you see, your boss cannot promote you. There is no boss who can promote you higher than himself. The human heart, if it is not transformed by God, will not want to see you lifted above himself. Am I communicating here? Everybody would want to, you to be as great as themselves. It takes a person who has crucified himself who will yearn that you rise up above this? Am I communicating here? And so ultimately, if God is going to promote you and make you bigger than your boss, he's the one who can do it. The Bible says promotion coming up from the east, not the west. God is the judge. He pulls down one and sets up another. But the truth of the matter is that when God comes and he's looking and checking our works, he doesn't find us worthy enough. And until God can find you faithful, he will not entrust you with greater responsibilities now i'm coming to talk about something that is very very important amen Amen. when i understood how this was important to god i made it uh, a part of my ministry policy it's very very important to me and i i check people out on that level very very carefully i'm talking today about faithfulness in money matters somebody say faithfulness in money matters Faithfulness in money matters. Faithfulness in money matters. Now, I want us to read Genesis chapter 14 from verse 11, please. Then they took all the goods. They took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. Take note, the goods belong to which people? Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, look at that. And all their provisions went away. They also took... They took also what? Lot, Abraham's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goose and departed. So this is an invasion, okay? So uh, a number of kings, if you read the earlier verses from verse 1 all the way to verse number 10, you will see the narration. I don't have the time to go through that. That's why I've skipped all of that. But three kings came together, and they invaded Sodom and Gomorrah, and they took everything that belonged to them away. Abraham's nephew, Lot was with him. So Lot was taken. So the Bible says, verse 13, Then one who had escaped told Abraham, the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the terebinth, trees of Memeh, the Amorite, brother of Ascor and brother of Enne. And they were allies with Abraham. Look at verse 14. When Abraham heard that his brother had been taken what? Had been taken what? What did he do? He armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit. Wow. <laughs> Can you imagine Abraham running after these guys? What happened here is a supernatural thing. When God says, I will bless them that bless you and those who curse you, I will curse That was what was manifesting. Imagine that three nations, three kings come to invade a nation. 
and they deal with the nation mercilessly. And Abraham has to go and he takes people from his house. 318. A whole nation has been overpowered. And Abraham is going to face them and he takes 318 people. And they go and they are successful. <laughs> Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. May the Lord help you. Amen. Now look at this. He divided his forces by night. He and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back, take note, he brought back what? All the goose and also brought back his brother Lord and his goose as well as the women and the people. Please take note of that because that's what we are going to be working with. It's very important. Abraham comes in the scene. He goes to the field. He brings back all the people. He brings back all the goose. He brings back everything. Human beings, everything is captured back. The king of Sodom went to meet him at the valley of Sheva. That is the king's valley after his return from the defeat of Chadalima. Then the kings were with him. Look at verse 18. Let's read it together. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought and won as the priest of the Most High God. This one we will work with it next week. Take note. King of Salem. Melchizedek, king of Salem. He brought, he met him with the communion. Bread and wine, because he was a priest. He came to administer it to Abraham. Then look at what he says. And he blessed him. Said, blessed be Abraham, possessor of heaven and earth. Please take note of the word, possessor of heaven and earth. This is where it came from, possessor of heaven and earth. Now let's move on. And blessed be who has delivered your and he gave him a tithe of all. Wait. Wait. We are told from verse Look at verse 15. He divided his forces against them by night. He and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back. So Abraham goes and attacks these people and conquers them. But he missed Melchizedek. Melchizedek is saying something different. Look at what Melchizedek is saying. He said in verse 20, Blessed be the Most High, blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your... Who has delivered your enemies into your... Now, you have to look at that very carefully because that is what informs the action Abraham takes. There's something Abraham does that, and there's something that Melchizedek says that are not the same. One says your enemies have been delivered into your hands. On the other hand, Abraham also attacked the people. They actually fought them until they overpowered them. But all of that, when it came down to it, Melchizedek summarized it and it said it was God who delivered your enemies into your hands. You made effort. You put in labor. You work hard. But ultimately, the resource that you have received is a product of God's grace. Am I communicating somebody here? Now, that's why Abraham comes with the tithe. You see, he did, it, did, did this man tell him to give a tithe? He didn't, he didn't talk about it. He just blessed him. Bless be God, bless be Abraham. And then he says, who has delivered your enemies into your hands? Then he picks up the tithe. And the Bible says, he gave him the tithe of all. Tithe of all. 
We are looking at faithfulness in money matters. Okay. Now let's move on to 21. Now the king of Sodom said to Abraham, give me the persons. Okay. So first, there is a first giving. I want you to take note. The first giving goes where? God. The first giving goes where? Did you see that? He gave him tight. And then the king of Sodom said to Abraham, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. Follow it very closely. Now, 22. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, Oh, I have raised my hand to the Lord. Can you raise your hand to the Lord? I have raised my hand to the Lord. God, Mosah. What? Possessor. Possessor. You see that word being repeated again? That was the word uh, Melchizedek used. Abraham is repeating the same. Possessor of heaven and the earth. Now go to verse 23. He says, I've raised up my hands to the Lord Most High, possessor, that I will not, I will not, uh -huh, from threat to, that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abraham rich. Did you see Abraham's thinking? Abraham's thinking was that God was enough to make him rich. Are you with me? He said, I don't want you, uh, you the king of Sodom. Imagine the king of Sodom. I don't know how he made his money, but the king of Sodom, if you know what was going on in Sodom, if the king of Sodom says to Abraham, the righteous father of many nations, I am the one who made Abraham rich, something was going to be wrong. Did you see that? He said, I will not take anything from you, lest you say, I made Abraham rich. Okay, verse 24, please. Except, somebody say except. 24, except only what the young men have eaten and the portion of the men who went with me. And he mentioned their names. Let them take their portion. May the Lord help us today. Amen. How are we going to pass the test of faithfulness with money matters? How are we going to pass this test? Now, I want you to appreciate that this test is very, very important and dear to God. And as we go through it, you will see why this is the case. If you are going to pass the test of faithfulness in money matters, number one, see yourself as a steward and God as the owner of all you have, including your money. Somebody say, I'm a steward, I'm a steward. and God is the owner. Is the owner. Say, I'm a, I'm a steward, and God is the owner is the of all I have. You see, the reason why some people can give is because they think they owe what they have. And if you look at the story we just read, Abraham could legitimately claim that he had everything by himself. He went, he fought, and then he gained the victory. But there's something that we are told by Melchizedek, that God delivered them into their hands. Now listen, you can work all right, but there are other hard workers who are successful failures. Are you here with me? Yes, yeah. People, it's not everybody who works hard that makes it. There are people, by the time they make it, many other things have been destroyed around him, so they can't even enjoy what they've made. The Bible said, the blessing of the Lord make it rich and ask no sorrow with it. Let me tell you, the Bible gives a, a clear picture of how everybody came into the world. We are told in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 7, everybody on the planet came the same way. 1 Timothy 6, 7, CEV. We didn't bring anything into this world. And we won't take anything with us when we leave. That should tell you that you are a possessor of nothing. Somebody say, I possess nothing. I possess nothing. 
I'm a steward of everything. Yeah, including your money. So the money is not yours, it's God's. He's given it to you to use it for his purposes. Are you here with me? So that see yourself as a steward. When Abraham received it, the first thing that came to Abraham's mind was God. Oh, when I was schooling, where was God? But I was in tech when in during our final year, some people were writing exams and somebody his brain touched, he couldn't finish the course. That was 2003. 2003. Final year. Final. I think it was the last paper. His brain touched. All the four years in the school had been wasted. You see, <laughs> people take thing, a lot of things for granted. That's why they end up grounded in life. Don't take God for granted. You will never, never. There's, I know you can go far without God, but you can go much further with God than presently you are. I'm not communicating here. So don't think you are smarter than God. The Bible said the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and everything that is in it. Abraham knew that God was possessor. Abraham knew that God owned everything. Your intelligence was given to you. Sometimes you, you have the skill to go to work. Uh, how can I go to work Monday through Friday every and say at the end of a month I must take some and give a start. Ah, How can I take my money like that? Well, as for the skill, I can, uh, I can agree with you. You studied by yourself and acquired the skill. But when you wake up on Monday morning and you are ready to go to work, but your waist will not allow you to get up from bed, you will know that it's not of him that will it, nor him that run it, but God that showeth mercy. Am I communicating here? The Bible says, it's of a lost message. You and I are not consumed daily. His compassion face not. They are new every morning. That's why you are able to wake up and you can breathe every day. When you wake up and there is breath flowing through your nostrils, you must understand that is God showing you mercy. That is God showing you grace. And if God shows you grace all through the week, then at the end of the month, if you have to give a token to express your love and gratitude to him, it is nothing at all. I'm not communicating somebody here. Abraham was not told to do it. He came with a heart of gratitude. He went to war. He could have lost his life. He could have lost his soldiers. Or he could have been defeated. But hey, the man went. was such a great success. He recovered everything. And he said, no, I refuse to credit my strength. I refuse to credit my intelligence. I refuse to credit my strategies. It is all because of the grace of God. Am I communicating here? That's why he took it. When he brought the tithe, he was not doing it as a, a debt he owed God. And th this is where tithing actually began. This is where the, first, the, the word tithe was first mentioned in scripture. That's why today, when you see pastors who are wayward, Pastors who don't seem to understand the centrality of, centrality of scripture. Pastors who seem to have a certain satanically inspired agenda. Preach to project that Titan is something of old and they don't recognize that it began with the man Abraham there in grave error. Am I communicating here? Titan was way long there before. I mean, that thing existed 400 years before the law and I'll show you that next week. 400 years before the law. All the people who argue, should we tithe, should we not tithe? I wish that the objective was that they wanted to tithe more. But most of the time, they don't want to do anything. Those people who actually argue on it, they don't, do any, they want, don't want to do anything or they are not doing anything. But if you want to know New Testament standard of giving, I will show you. And when I show you proper, you see that tithe is better. Am I communicating here? Yeah. Look here. The Bible said he saw himself. He gave the tithe 
of all. Look at how this man also saw this. I like this. First Chronicles 29 verse 10 to 14. First Chronicles. Now, when you are guided by these scriptures, when you are given it, it's, it's, it's with gratitude. It's what? what? Yeah, it's with gratitude. In fact, you are actually thanking God that you have a tithe to give to him. Not that uh, you, you owe God. There are people who after giving the tithe, they come to God and say, Lord, I have given my tithe, so you must do this for me. <laughs> you missed it. Yeah, It is because of what he has done already. That's why you even have the tithe in your hand to give him. So when you bring it, you are actually coming to say, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I'm grateful. I acknowledge your rulership. I acknowledge your place in my life. Am I complicating somebody here? Then David praised the Lord God in the presence of the whole assembly. Oh, Lord God of our ancestors, Israel. May you be praised forever and ever. Now look at this. He's praising God. What's the purpose and the focus of the praise? Yours. Look at this. He's seeing God as the possessor of everything. So he says, yours, oh Lord, is what? The greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the everything in heaven and on earth is everything in heaven and on earth is and this is your kingdom we adore you as the one who is over all things so god does not just own all things god also oversees all things he's over all things to be of wealth and please read that with me wealth and honor for you rule over rule over uh-huh power and might are and at your discretion people are and giving wow this is beautiful no wonder david was made such a great person he said oh our god look at this we thank and oh our god we thank and praise your glorious name why look at verse 14 he says but who am i and what who are my people that we could give anything to you everything we have has come from where oh talk to me everything we have have what and we give only yeah this is how people who understand god give everything you have the strength you use to work and make money came from him the wisdom and intelligence came from him the ability to rise up and to go to work and to be paid at the end of a month came from him everything we have came from him when you understand this when we say bring a tight it's easy i'm not communicating here and you do so gratefully not grumbly you do so gratefully gratefully that was the first thing abraham did so imagine this abraham has worked 30 days in a month he has received his salary Let's say he's a word. he has received his salary. The first he does is to pick the tithe. Pick, pick the tithe. Did you see that? Yeah. That's the first thing before distribution was made. He picked the tithe. And that is one of the things that is, uh, is missing out of the tithing we do in most churches today. There's a certain reverence that comes with the tithe. In fact, God actually instituted the tithe under the law just to teach the people how to revere God or respect God. So, when you are giving your tithe, you don't give your tithe after you spend everything. That money is, is a sacred money. You take it first before you think about any expenditure. Am I communicating here? In the law, it was so strict that if you took something out of it, you were required to add a certain percentage to it when you were redeeming it. 
and it was so high that the increment you're supposed to add was so high that it was just uh, you know when you go to the bank for a loan and they hype up the interest it is to discourage you from taking the loan so by the time you are taking the loan you are desperately in need of money i'm not complicating here because god had a purpose for the tithe, and every time you held on to your tithe, god's purpose was negatively being affected and so he made sure that he punished you by charging high interest on it so that his work was not sabotaged am i complicating here you have to understand this and when you understand these principles you you live uh, an easy life number two make a firm decision to honor god consistently with your tithe and your offerings firm decision i like that turn to your name and say make a firm decision if you want to enjoy financial liberty it starts from learning to honor God with the tithe. Make a firm decision to honor God with your tithe and offerings. Make a firm decision. That's what Abraham did. He how was he going to be faithful to what? He started by this firm decision. And his children also learned it. When Jacob was in a very tight place, and, <laughs> and as for Jacob's case, it's a different case. Most of the time, when people have a difficulty financially, the thing they consider touching is their tithe. But when Jacob was in a very tight corner, the thing he vowed not to touch was the tithe. And so, when Jacob went empty and came with a bounty, it was because he had learned to revere God. Now, look at this with me. Genesis 28, verse 20 to 22. Then Jacob made a vow saying, you know, careless people don't make vows. Don't you never say careless people don't make vows? No, 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 they don't. They don't. They don't. If you look at the Bible, everyone who made a vow was a very spiritual person. The people who made vows in the Bible were very, very spiritual people. In the Old Testament, all of that people were very, very, and if you look at careless, carnal people, they were not vowing people. Jacob said, Jacob made a vow. When you make a vow, it means you have made up your mind. Till death do us part. The Bible says Jacob made a vow. And look at it. He said, if God will be with me. Now look at this. If God will be with me, number one, keep me in this way that I'm going. Now look, that God will be with me. That's divine presence. God will keep me. That's divine protection. And give me divine provision. Are you following what I'm teaching? Be with me. Presence. Keep me. Protection. Give me provision. Bread to eat and clothing to put on. Now look at this. Now look at what, what he said. Is what Paul said. Having food and raiment, let us be there with content. In other words, anybody who has food and raiment must be able to have something to give to God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, Paul said that. He said, therefore, having food and raiment, let us be there with content. If you eat and if you wear something, you must have something to give to God. Am I communicating here? That's what he said. He said, so that I come back to my father's house in peace. So he's talked about three, four things there. He's talked about God's peace. He's talked about God's protection. He's talked about God's provision. He's talked about God's what? Presence. He said, if all of these are going to be with me, then God shall be my. God shall be my. Now look at verse 22. He said, and this stone which I have said shall be a pillar, shall be called God's house. You see where the tithe is connected? The Genesis account is very, very important because when we talk about tithe, we cannot understand the principle of tithing without uh, studying the account in Genesis. 
You can't talk about marriage without studying the account of Genesis. I mean, we live in an era where people are saying that they can marry multiple wives and all of those things. But when Jesus was confronted with that, he said in the beginning it was not so. And when Jesus was talking about the beginning, he was talking about Genesis. God didn't give uh, Adam, uh, uh, Eve, and Hannah, and uh, Janet, and, uh, uh, and uh, Rebecca. No, he gave Adam Eve. That was all. I'm not communicating here. That was all. That was how he started it. And Genesis gives us a detailed account of how God wants things around. Am I communicating here? That's it. That's it. He said, this shall, be, this, shall be the stone, this stone shall be God's house. And of all that the Lord will give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. That is under the, oh, uh, before the law came. I will give a tenth. He made the vow to give a tenth. That's a firm decision. Somebody say a firm decision. I want to challenge you this morning. Make a firm decision. If you are not already doing that, after the service, make a firm decision. Watching online, make a firm decision. That going forward, everything that God gives you, you'll give a tenth unto him. Am I communicating here? That, that's the baseline for you. I understood this principle as a first year student in the university. And from that time, over 20 years ago, I have never, 18 years, I have never failed to give God a tenth of everything that enters my hand. And I've not reduced. I've rather increased. Am I communicating here? 18 solid years. Never once that somebody gave me something or I've received and I've not, not once. Make a firm decision to honor God. You won't regret it. Amen. There are other things I've made a firm decision and I've been committed to. And I will tell you in due course. Some of them, you are not ready for them. Because if you are struggling with tight now, what are... are some of the things I've started doing, no, you can't understand them. Take notes. Make a firm decision. He said, it's a vow. And Jacob stuck with it. And Jacob went. When he was leaving his father's house, you know how he left? He left only with his passport. But when he came back, he was so loaded with blessings. So loaded with blessings. Overwhelming blessings. God not only provided for him, he exceeded his expectation. You see, the principle of titan works. I'm not communicating here. Thank God for social media critics and ignorant people. But you see, the Bible said the things which we have seen, the things which we have handled, the things which our, our eyes, our hands have touched, those are the things we testify of. Even if everybody said it didn't work, I have practiced it and it has worked too much in my life for me to doubt it works. I'm not communicating here. And I'm not the only person. There are many others who can testify to the same. That's where it starts from. Number three, if you are going to be faithful with money, number three, don't be greedy or hasty to get rich. If you are going to be faithful with money, eh, please, don't be hasty or greedy to get rich. Many people who can't tell the truth when it comes to money, who are unfaithful with money, eh, I tell you, the underlying thing is that they want to get rich quickly. I tell you. Whether they are working for somebody, they are not faithful, whatever. They want to get rich quickly. They want to get rich quickly. Let me tell you something. If there is one thing you never want to get quickly, please and please, it's riches. I'm telling you. Never get it quickly. Never what? Get it quickly. Yeah, because if you get it quickly, <laughs> people don't know that wealth is a huge responsibility. When money enters your hand, the kind of things that would want to enter your hands freely, if you don't know how to control it, it will destroy you in no time. That's why by the time money enters your hand, 
a lot of things must have gone on and shaped your character and your values and virtues in life such that that money cannot be a corrupting influence are you with me because money can damage you sometimes worse than poverty can do the things that money can make you do poverty can come close it can come close money power the things they can make you do now abraham went for war and fought and imagine this he gathered all the goods and he comes back and the king says that take all the goods who were the goods for you remember what we read who were the goods for for the people of sodom and then his own brother lord had some portion in the goods but abraham goes to fight for the war they didn't even invite we are not told they invited abraham to come and fight abraham went to fight with his soldiers and then he gathered all the goods and he comes back. The king, let's read that, that account. I think it will help somebody. He said, Down the king said to Abraham, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. Take it. Offered it to him on a silver platter. I mean, my, I, I was losing my whole nation. You have rescued my people. It's okay. Take the goods. What does Abraham say? He said, I've raised up my hands. Look at that. I've raised up my hands. Lift up your hands, please. Say, I've raised up my hands. I won't take anything that God has not given me. Don't take it. Don't take it. You don't need it. You don't need it. If God cannot give it to you, you don't need it. I've raised up my hands. I will not take anything that is not yours. And go to verse 23. He said, I won't take anything. They gave it to him freely. But people who are greedy, they don't just take what is not given them. They forced to take other people's own and add it to it. That's greedy people are not just thinking about what is not. They want everything. No wonder greedy people never end well in life. Greedy people can't tithe. Yeah, because they, they have to enjoy everything, including that which belongs to God. Why can't you tell? You, th- you think it's, uh, it's, it's easy? You are greedy. That is a secret. Now, let me show you a few things about greedy people and where they end. Proverbs 15, 27, he said, He who is greedy of gain troubles his own house. He who is greedy of gain troubles what? This scripture uh, humbled me this morning. Before I came in. <laughs> the TPT version of the same. Look at this. The one who puts any money above his family would have trouble at home. But those who refuse to exploit others will live in peace. Now, if you are looking for an example of somebody who brought trouble to his house because of greed, you have one best example in Gehazi. Let's look at that. Second Kings chapter 5, verse 25. Look at that. Now he went and stood before his master. Elisha said to him, where did you go, Gehazi? He said, your servant did not go anywhere. You see, when, <laughs> when you are greedy, another thing is that you also be lying. We didn't, I didn't go anywhere. Now look at this. Then he said to him, did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from Tario to meet you? Is it time to receive money and to receive clothing and olive groves and vineyards, sheep, oxen, male and female servants? 27. Look at this. Therefore, please follow this. This is critical. There are things people are doing that are endangering their families and they have no idea of. Your children are going to be affected. Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants. Your descendants. Your descendants. Now, when you read the book of Proverbs, the Bible said that the memory of the just is blessed. 
He says that the good man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. So if you also don't walk in your integrity, your children will be cursed after you. Am I complicating here? Uh -huh. So there are things we do. Sometimes you take advantage of people because there's a business somebody is doing with you and you see that there are some loopholes. You take advantage and you rob them. Please be careful. Greed is costly. Am I complicating here? Greed is costly. Greed is costly. It's costly. There's nobody who has been greedy and gone scot-free with it. Judas sold Jesus. The money he sold and received, he couldn't eat it. He died before the one he sold. He died before the one he sold. Now, if you read the book of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 7, for the love of money, somebody say the love of money, is the root of what? All kinds of evil. For some have strayed from the faith. India, oh, talk to me, India, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. You will not pierce me. You will pierce yourself through with many sorrows when you are greedy. That's what happens. The love of money. And that is what makes people greedy. He wants to have and have and have and have and have. The love of money. He loves money too much that whether it's a legitimate way or in an illegitimate way, he will get the money. Let's get the money. We will sort the rest after. May the Lord help us. Amen. May you not be greedy. Amen. And then of course, number four, give to your employees or dependent what is justly due them. If you are going to be faithful in money matters, you must learn to give to your dependents or employees what is justly due them. Somebody say, what is justly due them? Now, I'm telling you. You see, that when you read the New Testament, God has something to say to those who are employees and then he has something to say to those who are employers. He says employers must treat their employees in a way that is just and fair. Somebody say, just and fair. Just yeah, 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 just and fair. Colossians chapter 4 verse 1. Colossians 4 1. Masters, give your bond servants what is what? Oh, talk to me. What is what? Knowing that you also have a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you also have a master there. <laughs> and the way you are managing these people, eh? giving them money that is not enough to bring them to work and take them back. At the end of the month, what you give them is not enough to sustain them. And you are forcing people who don't want to steal to steal. You are also contributing to their sin. Am I communicating here? Give to your servants what is just and fair. There are some people, when the month is due, instead of paying people, that's when they begin to find fault. That's, that, that people are, they, that's when they begin to find fault. And they will begin to point all the weaknesses as if they were not in, around all through the month except that time because it's time to pay. And they are looking for reasons to reduce the pay. Be careful. You love money, and it will not end well with you. That's why your business is not growing. You think it's a demon. You can go to a chair 100 times, do 180 days, do 280 days, do 250 years. It will not be well with you. I'm not complicating here. Pay people. When you hire people to do something for you, look at what the Bible says in the book of uh, <laughs> Leviticus 19.13. Leviticus 19.13. Look at this with me. Yes, you shall not rob nor oppress anyone. You shall pay your hired workers. You pay them. You pay them promptly. Pay them promptly. Don't let people wait and be calling you for salary. He came to fix your plumbing work and you are playing hide and seek. How much are you giving to a plumber that you are playing hide and seek? He will call you, you won't pick. I'm in a meeting. 
Let me call you later. What kind of behavior is that? A carpenter came to fix something in your kitchen. And for weeks, he can't find you. How much are you giving to a carpenter? The Bible said, pay your hire. If something is due them, don't keep it overnight. Did you see that? Don't keep it overnight. Don't keep people's money with you overnight. It attracts serious consequences on your life. I'm not complicating here. If you want to grow, grow with people. Don't oppress people. Are you here with me? Yeah, don't keep it. <laughs> don't keep it overnight. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't keep it overnight. If you look at Abraham, he was a very good master. Look, he went and says, we went to fight. But listen, as for the king of Sodom, I know everywhere we have gone to fight, they have paid us and have collected my money. But the king of Sodom, dear, Sodom, dear, he will speak and everybody will know that the prosperity of Abraham started in, uh, uh, what do you call it, Sodom. I don't like that credibility. That this attack on my, my this But you people, dear, you are not part of it. And so I will make sure that what is due you is given you. I'm not communicating here. That's what he said. Look, look at the way the Bible says, and so I raise up my hands. That is, I, I have raised up my hands, but not my people. You see, the commitment business leaders make it should not affect people who are following. Am I communicating here? You, you cannot say that uh, this is January. My business, every January, I give the, the first, the profit as first fruit. So January, there's no salary. Don't be a foolish businessman. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Am I communicating here? If you are going to work in this company, you have to understand the principle of first fruit. Is it by force that they, they give first fruit? No. It is between you and God. Give them their money. Turn to your neighbor and say, give them their money. That's what the Bible says. When you read verse 23, is there? Verse 24. Except, somebody say except. Except only what the young men have eaten and the portion of the men who went with me. They went with me. When you get into partnership with people, please give them their due. Don't enter into partnership and when it's there for profit to be declared, you are under declared profit. You, they join you. Let's do this business. They did the business. You did an estimate of all the costs and everything. Now profit has come. And instead of sharing for people to get their due, now you are adding on other expenses that were not there before. You see, the people can see, but God has seen it. And it will not go well with you. I'm not communicating here. Let's be honest in the way we deal with people. When you do this, the hand of God and the blessing of God will rest upon your life. The Bible said the blessing of the Lord makes rich and has no sorrow with it. The reason why many people can't experience the blessing that brings a lot of wealth is because we help ourselves, so God is not able to help us. Our, that mantra, God help those who help themselves. God cannot help anybody who can help himself. If you can help yourself, forget it. God help those who are totally and utterly dependent on him for help. Those are the people he helps. And I see him helping you. Amen. I say, I see him helping you. Amen. Number five, discipline yourself to honor your financial obligations, commitment, and vows promptly without faith. Discipline yourself. If you are going to be faithful in money matters, discipline yourself. When you make a commitment, honor it. Honor it. Honor it. Discipline yourself. And it, 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 it's a matter of discipline. Discipline yourself. The New Century uh, version of the Bible puts Ecclesiastes in a very interesting way. Follow this reading. He says, be careful when you go to worship E at the temple. Be careful. Why? It is better to listen than to offer foolish sacrifices without even knowing you are doing wrong. 
So in, in our givings and in our sacrifices, we can go wrong. Now, how do we go wrong? Let's go to verse number. Think before you speak. Because a lot of people don't think before they speak. Be careful about what you say to God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So say only a few words to God. So when you meet somebody who talks too much, as for me, I'm always worried when somebody is giving, promising and over-promising. No, 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 no. The more you promise, the less you, the less I'll be drawn to you. No, 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 no. That, that's my own philosophy. People comes with promises. No, no. I, I rather, don't promise me, do something small. Let me see. I can see that in that small, I can see there's a promise of greatness in the small thing you have started doing. Am I communicating here? Yeah, because if you can do something small with what you have, you don't need to promise me. When bigger thing enters your hand, you do so. But when you are promising, speaking big, 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 and nothing, no, please. He said, be careful. You are, you are on earth, so say only a few words. Now let's go to this. The saying is true. Bad dreams come from too much worrying. And too much words come from foolish people. Now go to verse number four. Please follow this. If you make a promise to God, don't be slow to keep it. God is not happy with fools. So what he's saying is that those who are slow to keep their promise, God considers them as fools. God is not happy with fools. He says, so give God what you promise. Ask your neighbor, what have you promised? Yeah. When you make a vow, keep to it. You said you do efforts, 10 CDs, keep to it. Am I communicating here? You don't need to be sending you a reminder. By the time we send you the reminder and you are not minding, you are joining a certain company I don't want to describe. Am I communicating here? He said, keep to it. You took a pledge when a special program came. Keep to it. I will share with you how to practically honor financial commitments when you make them. I have never made an vow that has gone unfulfilled. The moment the Spirit of God moves me to make it, Whatever money I have with me, I'll use it to first settle it. Because that prompting to give is because God has a harvest in mind. And once I release the seed, the harvest can quickly be released unto me. I'm not communicating here. I don't keep money in account when I made a vow to God. No. Look at that. Look at verse number five. He said, it is better. Look at this. It is better not to promise anything than to promise something and not do it. Yeah. And this is what the Jehovah Witness people use. Amun Shebo. No, 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 no. The Bible did not say, say, and Shebo. He said, Shebo, and then honor it. That's what the Bible is saying. It's better to make a vow and honor it. Now go to verse number six. He says, don't let your words cause you to sin. And don't say to the priest at the temple, I didn't mean what I promised. Can you imagine that? <laughs> now look, there are things in the Bible we have no idea of, and we just joke with them. That's what I was telling you about the power of vows. I didn't mean what, I was just joking. I, I was just moved. He says, if you do that, God will be angry with your words and you will destroy everything you've worked for. So many people are destroying the work of their hands through their unfulfilled vows. Why is it that many people don't receive financial returns? Because they made vows and they've forgotten about them. You see, and in this church, if you are somebody who is not faithful, you have the opportunity to forget about your vow. Because when we take vows, we don't write names. And it's intentional. Sometimes some of the preachers, they are asked, I say intentional. Anybody who is picking an envelope, he's picking it because he wants to do it. And if he really wants to do it, he will do it. 
And if he doesn't want to do it, nobody needs to follow him up. Am I communicating here? Because we want to produce people who respond to God out of faith, out of reverence, and not out of fake exercise at all. There are people who make personal vows. I've been in an office where people made, made personal vows to God and they brought huge sums of money. And he says, it's a, it's a vow I made to God. That was not even a pastor calling for anything. But you there, it has been called publicly. I was, I was, I was talking with somebody and she was saying that uh, one time uh, he was in a meeting, there's a particular person. When it comes to church, they, they do a program. And when they do a program, the preacher, when the preachers come, they receive offering. And because he, he feels he's a big man, he cannot they call, call for offering and he's seated there. So when he goes for the envelope, he puts in uh, something small, then he sends it back. I say, yeah. Yeah, because th- this guy is do- he's doing something dangerous. Under an anointing. You have no idea what's going on. Let me show you something in the New Testament. Eh? You, you, must, you, you have to learn to respect God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Everything I do here is to help you to learn to respect God. Because listen, if you learn to respect God, things will go well with you. They call it honor. If you learn to honor God, things will go well with you without much difficulty. Let's look at Acts. Acts chapter 5, verse 1 to 10. Let me read that and I'll close. Talisa. But there was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife, Sapphira, sold some property. Now follow this reading. He brought part. He brought what? Part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. So that, that's something like the person comes and says, uh, how many of you would want to support broadcast with 1,500? And he comes. And then every time he brings uh, 150, 200. And it, between you and God, <laughs> with his wife's consent, he kept the rest. He kept the rest. This is New Testament. This was when the church has just started fresh. Now look at this. Then Peter said and asked, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit. Now, at this time, a lot of people were giving and then they were moved in the same atmosphere to do the same. A lot of people were giving and they said they were going to do that. He said you lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. Verse 4, look at this. The property was yours. Now follow this. The property was yours to sell or not to sell. So this is what Peter is saying. We call for an offering. But when we call for the offering, you had the choice either to come or not to come. You were not compelled. The property was yours for you to sell. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You were trying to, you weren't lying to us, but to God. Who was receiving the money? Peter. But who was he speaking to? It was God. I'm not communicating here. The only time God killed somebody who was in church in the New Testament was about money. That's why money matters are very serious with God. In the New Testament, it talks about money matters all through. So, I mean, I check you out. You are not, you don't tie, you don't know. I, I know that your spiritual life is not in shape. Because when your heart is with God, your money matters will be straight. Look at this. Now, look at verse 5. Look at that with me. As soon as Ananias heard those words, Peter did not say fall down and die by fire. He, as soon as he heard those words, the conviction was so overwhelming that he couldn't stand on his feet. He fell down to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Thank God, God is not doing that anymore. Because if that happened in this church, hey, Embassy of Life, so I heard the whole Korea I'm telling you. There are some, some people who will fall down and die here. 
Yeah, because of the things you are doing, you fall down and die here. Am I communicating here? But listen, you may not die physically, but many things are dying around you without knowing. Some of your businesses are dying. Opportunities are dying around you. Certain great doors that you open, they just die around you. Look at verse 6. Then some young men got up, wrapped him up in a seat, and took him out and buried him like a Muslim. Look at verse 7. He says, about three hours later, his wife came, not knowing what had happened. Verse 8. Uh-huh. Two shall be one. Can two walk together? Said they be agreed. Peter asked her, Was this a price you and your husband received for the land? Yes, uh, man of God. Yes, that's what we gave. She replied, That was a price. Peter said, How could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door and they will carry you too. May the Lord help us. Amen. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. No, that's how honest God expects us to be. When you make a commitment, keep to it. That's why whatever commitment you are making, you prayerfully consider it and you make it. Are you here with me? Bible tells us in Psalm 15, he tells us one of the group of people who will enjoy close intimacy with God are people who make promises and they keep them. Let me tell you, as you grow, you will realize that when you make promises, keeping them is, it is easy to make promise, but keeping them is not easy. Are you with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because sometimes you make a promise, you pledge to give God something, and the moment you make the pledge, something, some emergency need comes up. And you, you are, uh, what you need to settle that emergency is what you also pledge to God. That's a test. I'm not communicating here. I've been there so many times. Look at this. Yahweh, who dares to dwell with you? Who presumes the privilege of being close to you? He's asking the question. Okay? Living next to you in your shining place of glory. Verse 2. Then he begins to answer. They are passionate and wholehearted, always sincere and always speaking the truth, for their hearts are trustworthy. Verse 3. They refuse to slander or insult others. They will never listen to gossip or rumors. Or would they ever harm a friend with their words? Verse 4, he says, They would despise evil and evil workers while commending the faithful ones who follow after the truth. They make, they make, please read that, they make firm commitment and follow through, even art. They make firm commitment and follow through. They make firm commitment and follow through. So my wife, I said, I'm going to die with you. Whether in sickness or in health, I'm with you. Am I communicating here? In poverty, I'm with you. In whatever state, that's firm commitment and sticking to it. The CV says, they, they hate worthless people. Give me the other verses. They hate worthless people, but show respect for all who worship the Lord. They keep their promises no matter what the cost. No matter what the cost. New Living Translation, those who despise faith, uh, flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep their promises even when it hurts. Honor your word even when it hurts. Honor your word. Honor your word. You promise that you will deliver. Do it. And one shameful thing is those who borrow money and they don't honor it. When they are coming for the money, they talk nice. When you are, you are it's time to give the money back, when you call them, they won't pick it up. 
Listen, let me tell you. If there is something you should never do, I'm begging you in the name of the Lord. Never do. Never do. Never do it in your life. It's when you owe somebody money and he calls you. Pick up. Please, never, 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 never. And never lose your cool on somebody you owe money to. Never lose your cool. I'm telling you. Learn it. Discipline yourself. So, wakuma Never lose your cool. Somebody has given you money. Do you know where he got the money from? And he gave it to you. You gave him a debt to come for the money. He's come. The money is not ready. And he's angry and you are angry. Oh, don't let me use a certain word to describe you. Am I communicating here? Learn to be faithful. Let me tell you. There are a lot of people who have money. All they are looking for is a trustworthy partner to do it, business with. A lot of people in Ghana and abroad. But we are just not reliable. The black man, black-faced man is not reliable. He's talking from this side and he's lying from this side. It doesn't work. Am I communicating here? It doesn't work. If you want to become a great business person, please learn to be honest. Among unbelievers, dishonesty is the rule of the game. But among kingdom people, the thing that will cause you to rise, be honest. May the Lord bless us. May the Lord help us to be honest people. Rise on your feet and let's speak to God. Krado Father, without you we can do nothing. The word has come to us. With our hands lifted, we surrender all, all and all. We understand and we admit with the lifting up of hands that we cannot help ourselves. It's a tall order to stay in close fellowship with you. The demands are that we deal honestly. With our hands lifted, we receive grace. We receive grace to be honest in our dealings. We receive grace to be honest in financial matters. In the name of Jesus, every hand that is lifted, in any way that we are faulted, Lord, we ask that mercy will speak for us. Anything that has died around us because we err on these kingdom principles, let your mercy speak for us. Let your mercy speak for us. In the mighty name of Jesus, let fresh grace come upon us. Fresh grace to deal faithfully. Fresh grace to deal faithfully. Fresh grace to deal faithfully. Thank you, Spirit of God, that when faithful men are lacking in the world, they shall be abandoned in the church. We give you praise. We give you glory that these men, this house, this church shall be a church filled with faithful men. Shall be a church filled with faithful women. In the mighty name of Jesus, that in all our dealings, we shall be described as faithful people. Thank you, Father, that grace is upon us to make it a reality. In Jesus' matchless name. I release grace upon you. I pronounce you blessed. You go into a new week with great favor. Enjoy favor with all men. In the name of our Lord Jesus, I declare that the work of your hands prospers. The work of your hands prospers. The work of your hands prospers. The fruit of your mind prospers. In the name of Jesus, go out in peace and be led forth with joy. In the name of our Lord Jesus, now may the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord cause his countenance to shine upon you. May the Lord give you peace and victory in all affairs of life. In Jesus' precious name, amen. If you want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, you want to say this prayer after me. Mean every word 
and then believe it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died and rose again for me. By my belief, I am justified. And by my confession, I am saved. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God bless you. We look forward to having you join us again and again. We are blessed. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. No, no.